0: Hey everyone. Welcome. I am excited today to talk about singleness and to share. Um, I want to say up front, I'm not an expert on singleness. There's a lot of variety when it comes to people who are single in in different stages of life. You can be 21 and don't understand why you have don't have your ring by spring, or 32 and a, a widower. You could be 40 and divorced with eight kids. You can be single all the way up until your 60s. There's a huge range with kids, without kids, kids part-time. It's, it's a huge range of who is single, so I want to be able to share some of, of my experience, some of what the Bible says about singleness. I'm 32, I've never been married and I don't have kids, that's where I'm coming from, but I hope that um, I can share some things um, that are encouraging and um, also to uh, our married friends that are ways that you can care for your single friends well. Um, whether it's, it's society or the church, society doesn't always... Uh, handle singleness in a great way. There's sometimes this unhealthy idealization of of marriage as the ultimate the ultimate goal to to be blissfully happy. Um, to uh, you need to find your soulmate, the person who completes you, um, which no no one person can complete you. But we we have this idea in our society that that's what's that's the goal. Even like that's the only thing that's acceptable for that to be true. Um, that can be true in the, in the church also. I know for me sometimes, um, as, as a single person, I can sometimes feel like when I talk to people, especially in, in a hometown or in places where I was a kid, it's like what people want to know, they don't want to know. Like I moved across the country to plant a church. I raised all my own support. At one time I was looking, I was working for one of the most influential Christian leaders in America, Influencing mental health throughout the world. And, and people were like, so what about you and, and getting married? And I knew that they, they're not really interested in, in the rest of things in my life. They just want to know if I'm bringing home this husband or these kids and to think, I just feel like I'm accomplishing so many things in my life. Why is this what, the only thing you care about? Um, in the church, sometimes people can feel like as a single person, you, you don't really have a place. Once you're past, you're not in the college ministry anymore. All of a sudden, there's this big gap until you have your, your marriage group with your marriage friend, with your, your kids that you have, that there there just isn't a place for single people in the church. You walk in, you sit by yourself every week with everyone else who's sitting with their family, who always has their person, and so... Um, it, in the church, too, it can feel like marriage is, marriage is the norm, and also marriage is, is what's, what's acceptable. It's, it's, what, it's, it's strange if you're not married. So society and in the church doesn't always handle singleness well, but um, I want to look at what are some things that the Bible says about singleness. Oh, before that, I have a great list for you. Um, here's a list of 18 things not to say to a single person for you married people and single people. Also, for you that are, are watching live now, um, in the comments, either you're single now or you were single, just write down what's, what's the worst thing that people have said to you when you were single. And then I can, I can read them later and feel better about myself. But here are, here's a list, 18 things to not say to your single person. Number one, how are you still single? You're so pretty, smart, successful, etc. Insert any describer. I think you mean this as a compliment, but it's not actually helpful but thank you for letting me know. Two, I have a friend who was 35 when she got married, so there's still hope for you, too. Number three, I hear that, insert any unmarried human being ever, is also single. Do you want me to set you two up? Number four, you're too picky. You should probably lower your standards. You need to be more realistic about who you are and what kind of person you can expect to be interested in you. Number five, you'll meet someone when you least expect it. Number six, in contrast... Are you putting yourself out there? You need to get out there more. Um, Number eight, he'll come along as soon as you stop looking. Number This is number eight. When you're fully content with just you and Jesus, then he will bring someone. Number nine, you're so lucky not to be tied down. Number 10, the Bible says that singleness is a gift, so God must think you can handle it. 11, you're lucky to have this time to learn from your married friends and prepare for marriage. Number 12, I know you'll find someone. Your time will come. I know God has the perfect person for you. You actually don't know this. So whenever you say it, you're lying to me. So just don't. Number 13, you must have so much time on your hands. Just because I don't put time into my husband or children doesn't mean I don't actually have other things in my life that I put my time towards. Number 14, maybe you're not praying enough for a spouse. Number 15, God probably has you single for you to learn something. What is he trying to teach you? Number 16, there's sin in your life that God wants you to work through first. Once you work it out, then he'll bring someone. Number 17, you have to love yourself before someone else can love you. And number 18, I don't get why you're still single. Make some note, married friends, even other single friends. You know, I know you're well-meaning, but you just got to think about before you say things. So what does the Bible say? not the other people, not society, or even the church. What does the Bible say about singleness? A man named Paul um, wrote a, a large portion, portion of the New Testament. The New Testament was written after, during Jesus' life and after. He wrote letters that we have um, after Jesus went back into heaven. Paul was a single man. Um, he did all of those things, ministered to people, was, was a missionary throughout the ancient world um, as a single person, and he wrote this, and this is in First Corinthians. I would like you to be free from concern, as an unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife, and his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world. How can she please her husband? I'm saying this for your own good, not to restrict you so that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. If anyone is worried, he might not be acting honorably towards the virgin he's engaged to, and if his passions are too strong and he feels he ought to marry, he should do as he wants. He is not sinning. They should get married. But the man who has settled the matter in his own mind, who is under no compulsion but has control over his will, who has made up his mind not to marry the virgin, this man also does the right thing. So then he who marries the virgin does right, but he who does not marry her does better. So it's not a message we really hear in any other place, but it's very clear in the Bible that Paul talks about marriage is is good and marriage is right, but that being single and being able to, to devote yourself more to things that are of God is actually better. Um, other important uh, person in the Bible who was single was Jesus, if you've heard of him. So Jesus was, was also single. He made it to his 30s in singleness. Um, so it is possible. But um, sometimes uh, people can um, feel that singleness is a problem to be fixed um, instead of a life to commend, which is really more how the Bible talks about it. Jesus was aware of the challenges Um, as a single person faces, um, this is something that he said in this time on earth in the Bible. This is from Matthew. Um, The disciples said to him, if this is the situation between a husband and wife, it is better not to marry. Jesus replied, not everyone can accept this word, but only those to whom it has been given. For there are eunuchs who are born that way. There are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by others. And there are those who choose to live like eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. The one who can accept this should accept it. Um, I don't need to go into the anatomy of, of a eunuch. You can look that up on your own time. Feel free. The point is that a eunuch was someone who um, did not have children and did not get married, that that was the life that they lived, um, that they wouldn't have that sort of inheritance with children. And so it was, it was a choice. So talking about some people chose to um, not be married um, and to not have children so that they didn't have those distractions in their life. Um, Jesus saying these things um, in the culture that he was he was living in when he was on earth, his Jewish culture, this would have been pretty radical. Um, you you were not considered. A full human, unless you were married, that was the the mark of um, your completion. So, so being married, it was not just the norm; that was what was expected. And so, for him to be single, and for him to elevate the status of single people to say that they have value, and that if if someone can accept that, they should, um, was was a really big statement even then. But it's it's also something that we don't really hear now either. So. Um, I have some thoughts to give you about singleness. Number one, singleness is not a death sentence. And even though maybe that sounds funny and extreme, um, we kind of treat it like that sometimes, whether we're single or married. It, it's even a little bit, it's reflected in our language. Um, for example, if you, you hear someone and they come up to you and they're like, I just got engaged. your Your immediate response is like, that's so great! That's awesome! We're all celebratory and all these things, and I mean, you don't know if this person they're engaged to uh, is forty-five and has lived in their mom's basement for ten years, doesn't have a job, and is two years behind on his child support payment. This could be a terrible idea for them to be engaged and to get married. But we don't ask those questions. We're just excited about them being engaged and and moving on to that stage of life. And um, we, but when you are talking to someone. Um, and find out that they're single, there's sort of this immediate, like, oh, oh, okay. It's, it's not really, like, oh, I, I haven't ever had anyone ask me, like, if, asking me if I'm single, and I say yes, to say something like, what are the things that you are focusing on in your life? What do you feel like are the, the biggest things, your passions, um, the... What's your focus? Things like that. People don't ask those sort of questions. They sort of just get awkward about it because it's not something that we celebrate. It's not something that we naturally celebrate, but that's not what the Bible says, and that's not how the Bible approaches singleness. Um, Married people, you can recognize the challenges of, of being single, of your single friends. You can recognize the challenges without having to fix the problem. And we want you to recognize the challenges. It's helpful, but it doesn't mean that it has to be. It doesn't mean it's a problem that has to be fixed. So, number two, marriage will not fix all your problems. Um, This is this is actually not true. You will simply trade your single problems for married problems. And I know some of you may be like, "I'm so ready to trade my single problems for married problems." However, just keeping in mind the realisticness of. being married, getting married, isn't going to fix your problems. isn't Isn't going to fix necessarily your your loneliness. If the the hole in your heart can't be filled by another person, that's there's a space there that only can be filled by Jesus. And one person can't meet all of your needs. Um, it's not going to fix addictions you have, habits you have. You're going to take yourself into the marriage, so all of your problems are still going to follow you wherever you go. Um, so, marriage is not going to fix all of your problems, it's not going to get rid of the baggage that you have from previous relationships. If that's not something you've dealt with now, you're going to carry that in into uh, marriage if that's what you move into. Um, don't be afraid. Um, people can, can get married sometimes because they're afraid to be lonely, but do not marry the wrong person because you're afraid to be lonely. Loneliness is not something you will die from, and that can be really destructive in your life. Don't just marry someone because you feel lonely. Number three, we can be both content with where we are and we can pray for what we want. Um, One of my dear friends who is single um, articulated it in a great way that I've held on to and now articulate for myself. And she said, I am content with being single, but if I had the choice in front of me of marriage or singleness, I would choose marriage. And I also feel like that I am very content in my single life and where I am and the thing God has for me, but if I had the choice in front of me, I would choose marriage and it 's that tension to be able to live in in both so much of our christian life is is about living in tension in the the in between, but you can be both content with where you are and really honest with God and be praying about what you want or what you want in the future, we, we both, in any season for anyone, not just single people, but we, wherever we are, we grieve the challenges of the season that we're in and we walk in the joys of that season also. And we're able to do both things. We should be able to do both things, to, to grieve the challenges and to walk in joys. And married people, you can support that too. Again, in recognizing the challenges, but also recognizing the, the joys in a, in a positive, affirming way. Um, there are several places in the Bible with um people or or in stories in the bible um who were either satisfied with what they had or they they missed what they had and so therefore uh, weren't satisfied with the place they were at i think about king david his his um account is in the old testament he he had a dream in his heart to build the temple and then when he he went to do it and asked god god said no and david said you know what, I praise God for what I have been given and what he has given me in his life. David didn't miss what God had given him. Um, There's a story that Jesus told in the New Testament, um, which you, you may be familiar with, called the prodigal son. And the prodigal son story, the end of it... Um, there's an older son, and the older son is angry because he wants he never got a party from his father like his wayward younger son did, and he is angry about it. He refuses to go in. He tells his father, I, I, I never got anything to celebrate with like he did. I never got a goat to celebrate with my friends, nothing. And his father says, you know what, you were always with me. And the problem with the older son is that he missed the relationship with his father, because he was so consumed with what he didn't have, what he compared to what he thought was better, he missed his relationship with the Father. And, and that's what we can do. I can be consumed with relationships that I, I don't have, and I can focus all my effort in, in changing that, or I can, I can recognize the beauty and the joys of the relationships that I do have in this season and choose to focus on, on those things. We can choose to be bitter about where we are or about what has happened, or we can choose to be content and to still be honest and asking God for what we want in the future. Um, there can be this uh, fear in Christian circles about the idea of, of, being, of being called to singleness Um, kind of, like, as a whole life, like, are you called to singleness? If you grew up in the church, which I did, um, there's, when you get to youth group, there's always, like, the, the dating sex talk times, and somebody inevitably is like, and some of you may be called to be single, and there's, like, I'm sure God hears this like collective roar of prayers from every at least teenage girl in the room who are like, "Dear Jesus, let that not be me," because there's like the fear on like, "What if I'm called to be single and that's what I have to do my whole life?" And I, I think that we can really emphasize that in an incorrect way. If if you woke up this morning and you were single, then today God has called you to be single. And tomorrow, if you wake up and you are married, which hopefully there's some. Warning, if that's true. But if you woke up today and you were married, then God has called you to be married today. And whatever you're in today, that's, that's what God has asked you to to walk in. Um, nobody gets married on that day says, I do, we'll be married for as long as we make it. I, I don't know, a couple of years maybe, or nobody says that they, they don't think that they're transitioning to a season of marriage just to transition back to a season of singleness. But that happens all the time. It happens in divorce. It happens when spouses pass away, uh, people. So then you think about why well, I was called to be married and now I'm not, did I miss my calling? It's, what, what were you called to today? Were you called to singleness today because you woke up that way? Were you called to marriage today? While you have it, um, it is a gift. While you have it, it is a gift. So are you able to choose today to walk in the gift that you have, that you have been given today, to walk in that gift? Um, So how can we walk in that gift? How can we make the most of of what we have? What kind of vision? Here's a question for you to ask yourself about your life. What kind of vision do you have for your life what kind of vision do you have for your life is your vision your ultimate goal is to be happy it's like that's what my life's about to be happy maybe it's to be married that's your vision maybe you feel like you don't have purpose unless you get married unless you have children that's that's the the Purpose in life, but really those can be really hollow purposes. to be happy is just dependent on so many things. those aren't things that are going to be sustainable with a foundation. but for us for us those of us who are followers of Jesus, um, we need to get a theological vision for, for single people, a theological vision for our singleness in our, our life. What does that mean? God wants to give us a vision for our life. He wants to give us a vision that is better and more fulfilling than any vision that we could have for our own life. That is something that God wants to give us if we are open to hearing what his vision is. It's not just making the best of our single life. It's leveraging our singleness, what we have, leveraging that for what God is asking us to do. Things like like we talked about, what it says in the Bible, about our devotion to God, about our opportunity now to grow a deep soul. That's going to better enable us to care for people, to love God, continue us on dealing with things in our life that um, we need to deal with, whether that's baggage from relationships, things things that we're able to set right now, whether you want to be married or not. Um, but to better, better minister to people in the world, but be better followers of Jesus, be better people, to to grow. What does it mean to have a deep soul? You know, when you get to heaven, you're not going to bring your marriage with you. And maybe that's new news, but you gotta get a Bible and read it because the Bible's really clear. People are not gonna be married in heaven, but you are gonna take your soul to heaven. So, what is the condition of your soul? What is it gonna be when you get there to heaven? Now, as a single person, Um, you have the most freedom to make your own choices than you ever will in other times in your life because you get to choose who you want to be, where you're going to spend your time, what you're going to do with it. You get to choose more now in this season than you ever get to. So what choices are you going to make to be who that you want to be? Growing a deep soul, a unique focus. This is a time to have unique focus without distracting. How are you going to be used by God? Can you wake up and say, God, how do you want to use me today? How, can you, how do you want me to leverage my singleness for what you have for me, for what I can do to serve you? If you are not using your gifts in the church and serving people, I know right now it's a little bit challenging as we can't uh, join together, But if you are not serving other people with your gifts, you are robbing the church of what you have to give. You are robbing other people because you have things that the church needs, ways that you can care for people that that no one else can. God has created us all with things to give. And in this season where single people have the most freedom to choose what they're going to do, what choices are you making to say, this is how I've been gifted and this is how I'm going to serve God uh, because of where I am. In my singleness season, we all need each other. We all need single people and your gifts, married people and your gifts. We all need each other. This is another verse that the Bible says about our lives. This is in Second Peter. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. And that's single people, married people, all people. God has given us everything we need right now to live a godly life. What you have right now, whatever it is, is God has given you what you need in order to live a godly life. If you're waiting if you're waiting to live the the rest of your life, whatever that looks like, waiting until you're married to do it, stop waiting. Stop waiting. Become who you want to be now. For me, I I did not think that I could be a church planter as a a single woman. Um, Not very many people do it. I didn't have any examples of that. Even the process really wasn't set up for that, but I felt like this is a dream God has put in my heart, but I know. I can't reach it until I'm married, and I'm not married, so that can't be the next step. And I I didn't know the vision that God had for me, the vision that he wanted to give me that was better and more fulfilling than the vision that I could have for myself. Stop waiting for that to happen. Stop waiting for marriage and start becoming who you want to be now, doing the things that um, we are now, becoming the person that you want to be now. We don't get to choose what's going to happen in the rest of our life, but we do get to choose how we respond to it and how are you responding to it and church we have to start being more of the solution and less of the problem and that's a call to all of us in the church for that to be true God calls us uh, his family we are the family of God we are we are a village of people we, we are the family, and, and we have to together, work together to create this family of God where everyone can thrive, where everyone feels cared for, they feel equally valued, they feel equally needed. We have the opportunity to do that, all of us as a church family. And if you have a traditional family unit right now, how are you... Including people bringing people in that don 't have that in, in your life, how are you looking outside your traditional family to family, people around you, either either other extended family or people in your community, people in our church community, married people, people with families that how, how are you showing hospitality to people in ways that you uniquely can because you have a family and inviting people into those families That is, that is a call for us. As a church, the Bible says this in Psalm 68. It says, a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, God is in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families, and he leads out the prisoners with singing. God sets the lonely in families, and we have the opportunity and the challenge to be that family, to, to allow God to set people in our, in our family, in our church family, um, there was one year that uh, my friend wanted to, to have this Easter egg hunt for her kids. And I was like, great, I would love to help you with that. We worked on it. And the next day was coming and she had all these things left to do. And I asked her, do you want me to help you? And she was like, I think that I got it. I can figure it out. I'll be fine. And I was like, well, okay, but, you know, I don't really want to be alone on Easter. And she was like, okay, great, help me, everything. To, to her, the task of doing that was a task, and to me it was a gift because I don't have little people to, to do Easter egg hunts for, but I got to be a part of their family and a part of that process, and to me it was a gift. And the people who have brought me into their family, who invited me to Mother's Day and to Easter and to Father's Day when I didn't have family around and brought me into their family were so, so meaningful to me. And I have had seasons where um, I have friends with their little munchkins who call me Auntie Ashley, even if they aren't our aunts, that I get to... to Uh, be a part of reading books and playing games, and they love to play with me, and that's been such a joy and such a blessing. I have little munchkins like that in my life now, and I love it that that is a part of, I get to be a part of that family with them, and if you don't have that as a single person, I even challenge you to to step out and see what kind of family can you invest in too, because it it gives back to families also, and to kids to to be a part of their lives. Teenage kids too, that can be my buddies that I, I don't have. Um, that it's such a blessing to be part of a family of God and to extend what you feel like maybe is your narrow view of your own family to um, bring a part of the larger family of God. Single parents I commend you and what you what you are trying to do there 's no question who 's doing the dishes tonight it 's you who 's choosing what 's for dinner tonight it 's you who 's getting up with the kids in the middle of the night who's who 's getting up with them in the morning who 's choosing what you 're doing for the day it 's you it 's all you it 's all you every day it 's you and that is incredible. You have an incredible challenge ahead of you. Um, how are we as a church coming alongside uh, especially single parents and saying like we 're going to be extra moms and extra dads to kids. And to help out that, that mom or dad who is single in the task that they're doing, how can we, how can we be a part of adding to single-parent families so that we're helping as a family, as a church family, raise their kids and, and investing in that? How are we as a church family um, being a, a part of the family of God and caring for everyone where everyone feels equally valued, equally needed, and equally cared for? And can we, single people, married people, everybody, get to a point where in our in our hearts we can say marriage is a gift and singleness is a gift they both have equal gifts it's just which gift are you walking in today and can you choose to walk in that gift and to say both of those things can be celebrated both of those things um celebrations uh, i i Love buying gifts for all your weddings and all your baby showers. But there are a lot of celebrations that are built in naturally to married people lives, single people lives that we just celebrate because that's that's how we traditionally are. Um, is there a way that we can celebrate in single people in your life that we're celebrating milestones in their lives that are just as important as getting married? That's promotions or birthdays or new life changes, big steps out in faith for God. How are we also building maybe that aren't as natural, but celebrations for those people too? Um, I know for me, I, uh, when I was 28, I planned somehow this uh, epic uh, renting out a whole room for laser tag because inside I'm still sort of like a 12-year-old boy. And I'm not a gatherer and I'm not popular and I have anxiety over planning parties. But somehow I got it so there were enough people that we could rent out this whole room and it was so fun. And I had this distinct memory of driving home from that, and I was like, thank God I made it through that birthday party, and I never have to plan a birthday party for myself again, because I'm 28, and there's no way I'm still going to be single by this next time that I have my birthday. And, and the birthdays just keep happening, and I have to plan them myself. And it's so stressful. So anything that you can, that doesn't mean you have to plan my birthday, I'm not saying that, is in November, in case you want to know. But I, you know, I'm not putting that on you. But the point being, how are you helping single people in celebrations of things in their life that we don't naturally have in our society? Marriage is a gift, and singleness is a gift. And I know, even though I've just said all these things, hopefully celebrating singleness and calling us to celebrate singleness, that it it, doesn't, it may not necessarily reflect how you actually feel in your experience and that is really real and really valid, and, and I want to say to you today, um, at Anthem, we we see you, we value you, I, f- I feel you, especially in the season of quarantine, it is really hard to be single when people are quarantined in their houses with their, their best people, and you have to be quarantined by yourself, even if you've built community with other people, friends that you can't see, things that you can't do, this is a really hard season, especially to be single, and... I don't have great answers for you. I'm trying to figure it out also, and I'm trying to live it and ask God every day, what is, what is he asking of me in this season? Um, so, so what I have to offer you is, is something that the Bible says, uh, and it says this in Psalm 145. It says, the Lord is close to all who call on him. Yes, to all who call on him in truth. The Lord is close. The Lord is close to all of us. But to single people today, the Lord is close, and we're able to, to live a single life to get a theological vision for our life because of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. The Lord, the Lord is close, and I hope that you feel that today, regardless of where you are, in contentment, in bitterness, wherever, um, whether you're single, whether you're happily married, whether you're in a lonely marriage, whether, wh- whatever your circumstances, the Lord is close. The Lord is close, and I hope that you feel that today. You are a child of God. If if that's something that you've chosen to accept Jesus for who He is, God says that we are welcome into His family. We are children of God. We are a part of that family, and we're going to sing about that today in our worship song. Being um, children of God, I am a child of God, and I challenge you as we sing this song, um, as we're worshiping together. That you, uh, wherever you are in your heart, that you choose to be honest with God about where you are, in contentment, in discontentment, in praying for what you want, to to be honest and to reaffirm um, that the, the truth about that as a part of God's family, that you are a child of God. So let's worship together.